0: <clears throat> what's up everybody welcome back to another edition of the around the league podcast i'm ryan and i'm jake i know we missed last week um that was on me i was really really busy with some stuff uh traveling and stuff so we weren't able to record last week even though it is the playoffs we tried to but at the time we decided to record it we figured that we might as well just postpone to this week, but we have a huge episode for you guys this week. Um, not only playoffs, but just in general. I mean, uh, just before we started recording here, big trade went down between the Celtics and Thunder. We'll get into that. Um, we'll get into coaching news. Uh, a lot of stuff. We might even split this up, ep- this episode into two parts um, and release it on different days, depending on how uh, we go here with time and everything. But, let's jump right into it with the games, because, boy, have the have these games been uh, exciting, unpredictable, and shocking to watch over the past uh, few days. I'll give you an update on all the series so far. Um, the suns, it feels like they finished their series with the Nuggets months ago, but they finished that last last weekend, uh, they as they swept the suns, game four, they won one, twenty five, one, eighteen. since then. Chris Paul is now in health and safety protocols uh, as he tested positive for COVID-19. No no one knows how long he'll be out. That's a big factor as the Western Conference Finals could start as soon as this upcoming week. Um, There's that series. Uh, You have then the Clippers and Jazz as LA, uh, the Clippers lead the Jazz three games to two. With that uh, game six being played tonight, um, which is Friday, depending on when you're listening to this, in L.A., as the Clippers can close them out there without Kawhi, who has some sort of ACL injury, pro- is def- probably out for the rest of this series, most likely even beyond that. No one knows when he'll return. Moving over out east, and, and we'll... Jake, I'll ask you a few questions about this in a second. Um, Moving out east, you have the Hawks and the Sixers. Um, I want to get into this first after I uh, finish the rest of the series, but the Hawks lead three games to two after probably one of the greatest choke jobs of all time as uh, the Sixers were up at home by 26 points in game five and blew that lead. The Hawks came back and won 109-106. And then the last series is the Bucks and Nets. Another choke job as the Bucks probably, this series should already be wrapped up with the Bucks. Kyrie's out. James Harden was out and came back. KD's been there all along. KD had one of the most iconic performances in game five that he could have had. And that series is all tied up at three apiece going into game seven, which is tomorrow night, Saturday. All of that being said, I'm going to do this. I'll let you start. What series do you want to start on, Jake, and uh, you can take the floor?
1: Yeah, I guess since you already hinted at it before, we'll start with uh, Sixers and Hawks, which that game is on tonight. It's the first of the doubleheader with the Clips and Jazz afterwards. Two big games, two big game uh, sixes that – or excuse me, game – yeah, game sixes that – have a lot of implications. Um, we'll start off with uh, the East series, Sixers-Hawks. I think personally, well, first of all, let me just address, they've blown two straight games uh, and big leads at halftime in which the Hawks just started chipping away. Um, and I didn't really watch too much of, if I'm being honest here, too much of the first blown lead uh, in that uh, game that time. game four no, in game four, but then game five, I watched that game
0: and that was You're a right.
1: horrific yeah. that was a horrific collapse. Twenty-six point lead. Um I was saying game four, John Collins was the X factor there, brought in intense intensity. Game five was a lot of Lou Williams, uh Gallo hit some shots. Um and they kind of proved me wrong because I didn't think without I think Trey Young's a big part of that uh offense, obviously, and you have the Sixers in which if you're looking at this game six, you see that I think the the uh, the Sixers have established a blueprint for guarding Trae Young. It's just a matter of fact of are you going to show up in the second half with of your offense because they collapsed. Uh, Joel Embiid hasn't been good in fourth quarters the past two games. Uh, we know that Ben Simmons is basically not really a factor, especially late in games. Um, he's they, they. I think it's known across the league now that the Hawks have established a hack of Ben instead of hack of Shaq. Um, So they put him at the line and that's how they deal with chipping away at the lead eventually. So, um, you know, you could use that guy as sort of just a screen setter, but outside of that, you can't really do anything with him. So now you have Danny green, who's out, which hasn't really been been a good playoff performer. Um, And they took him out because uh, at least on, on Troy young, because he wasn't, he was getting killed the first game. Um. So they took him out. And then, unfortunately, he had injuries, um, which has caused him to miss. He's going to miss another two to three weeks. You have Thibault. My point is, is that you don't really have a lot of offense that you, can relate, uh, that you can really rely on down the stretch. And Embiid hasn't been that guy. So when your best player isn't be able, being able to, to shot create and make shots, you're in big trouble. And that's exactly what the Sixers find themselves in. Uh, game six, they're going to need to have better second halves. Control the lead. I mean, 26 points. You shouldn't be blowing away that lead, especially with a Hawks offense in which when Trae Young's off the bench, they've been fine, which they proved me wrong because I didn't think they could be able to handle uh, an offense without Trae Young, but um, they've been very much proving of that. So, yeah, in terms of game six, I think that uh, I think I took the Sixers to win this series, um, but I do I do believe in the Hawks in this game. Um, they've shown that, that, that they can really, um, ignite a Hawks crowd with just a really young team and, uh, no DeAndre Hunter or, or not. I mean, they, they can really, you know, put away a Sixers team that were, that were early favorites.
0: I'll go, but I'll ask you this as you finish your point. Um, do the Hawks close it out in, uh,
1: I, I, I six said, games?
0: Yeah. I said they do. I'll say this, and here's a little bit of a hot take. If the Hawks do win this series, the Atlanta Hawks will win the Eastern Conference Championship, and they will represent the East in the finals. Uh, You can book it, like Charles Barkley likes to say, guarantee. Um, This Hawks team, they're giving me uh, Miami Heat 2020 vibes of the bubble. Um, They just find ways to get stuff done. Um, Nick McMillan, I know they're not going to name him in the middle of the playoffs, but you know I expect him to get a nice contract to become their full-time coach. The, the job he's done since taking over, we've highlighted this before. Um, and even if they lose this series, I mean, the accomplishment of this season has been great. Um, and I want to give them credit more than, you know, obviously, I'll talk about the Sixers in a second and them blowing a lead, but I don't think enough people are giving them credit for coming back in this game. Uh, I was watching on and off that game, uh, and every time I looked up, you know, I would see the score, and at one point it was one, it was 93-80. Uh, so I was like, oh, they cut it down in half, and then I looked again, it was 104-92, if I'm not mistaken. And the next thing I know, I look up, and they're up 107-104 uh, with, I think, 30 seconds left or so, and obviously they ended up closing it out. Um, I think it's one of the greatest like I said, choke jobs in in NBA history that the Sixers had. Um, I don't know how you you do that at home. And I'll say something else that's probably not going to be popular. And as much as he's one of my favorite coaches in the league, Doc Rivers, I mean, this is second year in a row now where last year he had the 3-1 lead with the Clippers, blew that. If he ends up losing this series, he's blowing this series as well. Um, Maybe it's time to start looking at him and his coaching uh, and something maybe he needs to adjust. But also, I think, um, how much longer can you trust the process before breaking up the process? Um, I know this year they kind of uh, brought some new pieces in. Seth Curry, uh, Dwight Howard, they drafted Tyrese Maxey, who really uh, isn't playing that much in the playoffs. Um, Matisse Thybul obviously great on defense, hasn't shown much office like you pointed. And I'm looking here, Ben Simmons, eight points, nine assists, four rebounds. I, I don't care if you're a defensive player that you're candidate or not. Those type of numbers aren't going to cut it when you're, you know, the number two on a ch- on supposedly a championship-contending team. Uh, that's terrible. Just, I mean, when you have, a no disrespect to Seth Curry, but if you're relying on Seth Curry to put up 36 points, it's a recipe for disaster. Joel Embiid, 37 and uh, 37 and 13 and five. Um, he had 70. We need those.
1: Yeah, we need those fourth quarter stats though for Embiid.
0: Well, I I was going to say this. The last three quarters of the game, he only scored 20 points. So he scored 17 in the first, and then after that, it just went down and down um, by the minute. And it's just uh, this team has issues. I I mean, I know tonight it's in Atlanta. I know Atlanta is going to be fired up for this game. Um, And I expect Atlanta to try to come out and and put the nail in the coffin. Immediately, uh, if that's Nick, if I'm Nick McMillan, that's exactly what I'm telling my team, because you know I don't know how a Sixers team comes back from this. Uh, Twenty-six points at home. I, I mean, it's just terrible. Um, I God, to to pick this game, I I have no idea. It's so tough. I know you said Hawks are going to win Game Six. Um, you know, I, I I'll go Hawks win tonight too. I think, and I think they do it in pretty uh, grand fashion. If it's a close game or not, I'm just saying it'll be something either late at the end or they'll blow them out and it'll be a statement. And they'll roll into the, they'll be the first team in the East to uh, have their bid into the Eastern Conference Finals, uh, which uh, will be definitely a shocker to most.
1: Yeah, well, you know what they have? They have, and I think this is an underrated part of this team, they have, guys that can hit shots down the stretch. They have Trey Young. They have Lou Williams, who is a big-time shot maker. Uh, you saw it in that third quarter uh, of game five. And so, again, they have guys that can close out games, whereas, I mean, the Bucks struggle with, and that could be with certain, like, adjustments and stuff. But they struggle to close out games. So does this Philly team. And so I, I think that uh, they go into the home crowd tonight and they show them what they got and, and take game six.
0: Yeah. Let's move on to the... We can go on to the other Eastern Conference series, the Bucks and Nets. That is going to Game 7. Like I mentioned earlier, the Bucs in Game 5 blew... I think it was an 18-point lead, if I'm not mistaken. Maybe even 20-plus. Uh, in my opinion, the Bucks should have had this series already. Uh, Kevin Durant, just a outstanding performance, putting up 49-17-10. Um, one never that, been done. Yeah, we'll remember for a long, long time playing all 48 minutes, never resting. Um, just phenomenal, phenomenal stuff. James Harden, even though he put up five, only five points, eight assists, and six rebound, he played 46 minutes. Obviously, he just had come back from that hamstring injury, if I'm not mistaken, uh, hamstring or quad um, injury. And I think just his impact hamstring, on court, hamstring. He, his impact on the court was just uh enough and then Blake Griffin seventeen, all of a sudden Blake Griffin has this resurgence and Jeff Green couldn't miss uh anything that night, uh, with twenty seven points in thirty five minutes. Obviously, like I said earlier, Kyrie is out. They don't know how long he'll be out for. And I really thought this series would be done you know. And once again, going into game six, which the Bucks did win last night, Giannis said, Oh, you know, and, and it reminded me of this, reminded me last year of that Miami series. All of a sudden it seemed a little too late, but I'll now guard the best player. You know, coaches told me I, I respect my coach, which I think as a coach you need to love because you know your star player is not uh, butting heads with you. But at the same time, it's like why aren't you, why is why isn't Giannis on KD? Why isn't he locking him up Instead, he's, You know, on on the help, and I don't think that's that should be the case. Um, last night, Kevin Durant thirty two eleven and three. I guess if that's I, I don't you know he played forty minutes uh, and it was pretty. Bucks pretty, you know, pretty easily won that game. Um, I will ask this. I guess I'll just, who who's winning Game Seven, and why?
1: Uh, I'm going to stick with uh, my original prediction. Um, also, because I have the Nets winning it all. Um, I said that at the beginning of our playoff preview, and I'm going to stick to that. Um, so I have Bucks, uh, excuse me, Nets winning game seven. Um, I think the Bucks, uh, I'll tell you this, I think the Bucks should win this game. Um, but once again, I'm sticking to my original prediction. Um, I will say this we need to see Joe Harris. He needs to show up because the fact that Jeff Green is coming back from injury, and I would venture to say he's. He's at least matched, because I think Joe Harris had a good game one. Uh, As far as game two, I'm trying to see real quick, because I didn't do my research beforehand. Um, But, I mean, Jeff Green coming back, what was it, game four, game five? Uh, Sorry, I should have done this before. Uh, Well, well, he
0: had had a huge, like, yeah, yeah.
1: So, so game five, sorry, game five, seven for eight from the three-point line, provided... 27 points, um, coming off the bench, uh, and had a huge role in that, in that 49 point, uh, Kevin Durant in, in terms of contributed to that, uh, he really did. And so I'm looking at Joe Harris in which outside of really the first game. I mean, if you want to count the second, kinda, um, this guy's kind of been non-existent and you're getting paid to shoot the ball. So shoot the ball efficiently because, That's really what you're on the court to do. Um, And, again, I think that someone needs to show up. Jeff Green showed up uh, in game five. Blake Griffin showed up in game one. You kind of showed up, too, uh, five for nine from three. So we'll give it to Joe Harris there. But as Kevin Durant, who gets so much defensive attention, uh, P.J. Tucker did a great job uh, in game six last night with just uh, the – uh attention that he gave Kevin Durant on the defensive end and then it, of course I think the Bucks played great defensively as a team yesterday with help defense whatever um and so I'm just saying that there's going to be so much defensive defensive attention coming back to the Barkley Center where Kevin Durant just scored 49 points so having the home crowd and we've seen that the home team is six six and zero oh in this series so that means a lot uh, it's just like that clippers Masters series where every away team was winning until the final game where the Clippers took it at home. Um, but once again, I'm I'm calling for Joe Harris to show up because you need to show up in a, a game where again, Harden had a better, more efficient, um, like 15-16 point game last night. Um, but once again, you're you're getting a Harden that's maybe like what 50%, uh, and a Kyrie that's that's out. He's not coming back, um, and so you're gonna have uh, at least of what I know, he's not coming back. But uh, you're gonna have to have that that guy show up because you've seen in the games that they've won, someone has shown up. So I'm looking at Joe Harris as that guy, but I'll take Brooklyn game seven.
0: <sighs> I picked Bucks in seven. Um, obviously, I, I have the Sixers going to the finals, and I just chose the Sixers to lose in six and the you know. Uh, I chose them to win this series, but obviously, now I'm choosing the Hawks in six. Um, uh, uh, I, I'm gonna go Nets. I, I think that the Bucks had their chance. I think it slipped away from them. Obviously, they did get in game six to force a game seven. I think Brooklyn at home. I think KD. You know, all the haters and all the namesayers that are out there. I think he he really puts this team on their back and, and watch for James Harden. He hasn't had a great series. Obviously, I think he's playing injured and he's just out there. But I, I think that he'll have a, a – maybe not a great performance by his standards, but a great performance putting up, you know, 30 points, uh, at least a double-double, I think. Um, and I like your call out of Joe Harris. I think they need that. Um, so I'm, I'm going to switch it up and I'm, I'm going to go – I pick Bucks in seven, but I, I do think the Nets win this game. Uh, I just – I'm confused, um, and I, I've said this since last year. Since the uh, coach Bootenholzer. I don't understand his coaching. I don't understand the lack of adjustments that he makes, and he almost makes the adjustments when it's too late. Um, Giannis, as as greatest as, as he's a coach's dream because he respects his coaches. I get confused by him too because there's a point where you need to say, "Hey, you know, I'm on that guy. You know, that this is mine. I don't care the the coaching scheme. This, you know, I'm gonna stick Kevin Durant." Uh, last year, I'm going to stick Jimmy Butler when you know the year before, I'm going to stick Kawhi Leonard uh, when they played Toronto a few years ago. Um, it's no longer of oh yeah, I'm gonna, I'm just going to obey the coach and do what the coach says. I, I don't think that's. Uh, I'm not saying not to at all, but I think there there needs to be a, a fine line there. And uh, I, I we've said it before. I think if the Bucks lose this game, I think there's no doubt that, and we'll get into coaching searches in a little bit, but uh, I think there'll be an opening in Milwaukee. A very uh, intriguing opening in milwaukee because i think mike Budenholzer will be ousted uh, as their head coach yeah uh, it's just yeah. um to me that it, this says more about the bucks than it does the nets i think it says also a lot about kevin durant but i think this is more about the bucks than the nets again this is the third straight year and uh milwaukee should have won this series like i said uh last game uh because with Kyrie out, that they just are, you know, they're they're letting the Nets linger around almost a little too long, and I think it's going to come back to bite them. Let's well, go, 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 well, go real, real
1: quick, yeah, yeah, well, real quick. I think you could attribute last game to the Bucks' defense. I think it was really good, um and they were able to get on in transition, run early offense with with Giannis, and I think that's really what. um drove that win for them because really if you look at it, I mean, they're fast break points. That's a big key indicator to figure out whether they, they win or lose that game. Um so that's what I think. But there's just so I could touch on the uh Bucks real quick because I didn't really uh do that in my prediction, but um they have really uh a lot on the table in this game. I mean so do the Nets just because there's that first year altogether type of criticism where it's like, you know, they're not uh good enough to win the chip, whatever. I mean, you could use the injuries against uh, you know, in their favor in terms of like arguing as to why uh it was okay to go on seven, whatever, uh what have you. But uh, you know, the Bucks really just have um all the cards um just I mean, th- really they're just dealing with a situation in which, I mean, Holzer will be out. Uh, if they don't win, Giannis is going to get criticized. Middleton will get criticized. Um, but once again, it all comes down to, I don't even view Giannis. I view Giannis guarding KD as a, like, that's a, that's a personal decision. Like, you, if you're the best player, if you're one of the best players on, on planet Earth, you want to guard that guy. And he said, oh, I'd, I'd pick him up if, if I was called on. No, you pick him up because you want to win the game. And they won last night, but you pick him up. I mean, Kawhi Leonard picked up Luka Doncic to win that series, and he picked up Donovan Mitchell before he got hurt. That's what good player, great players do, is they pick up, especially when you're a defensive player of the year, you pick him up. You don't wait for your name to get called, on. Like That's not how it works. With all the leverage that stars have nowadays, that's what you do. You go and you, and you pick up the guy. So, I, you know, Giannis, don't give me all that. Like, that's, no. And, again, Bud with, you know, these shortened up rotations, like, the Nets are hurt. Like, you should want to, like, increase your depth and go with Bobby Portis. Go with Brent Forbes. Those guys were great earlier in the series, and, and Forbes with Miami, so go to those guys. But, once again, if, if uh, they lose, everything's just going to come back to that in previous seasons before, so.
0: Let's move on. To, and great point, by the way, uh, to the Clippers and Jazz um, and Clippers winning game five after finding out after game four that Kawhi Leonard is probably done for this series. And from my understanding, I mean, this is not reporting or uh, like no one has said this, but I'm guessing for the rest of the playoffs, just off common uh, sense and knowledge of you know ACL injuries, they haven't said if it's torn or not. Um, they've kind of been quiet about what exactly it is, but, um, I'm guessing the the playoffs and this kind of puts a damper in my prediction in them winning it all. Um, but I'll say this, if Paul George plays the way he did in, um, game five, they have a pretty good shot. Paul George, 37, 16 rebounds and five assists, um, putting up one of his greatest playoff performances probably since he was on the Pacers and he had those runs against the Heat back in the day. Um. Can, can the Clippers close this out in, in six back home? Uh, they're 0-8 all-time. Obviously, the Clippers have never been to the conference finals in their franchise history and close out games trying to go to the conference finals. Um, and if they can't, well, I'll, I'll just start. Can, can they close it out at home in game six?
1: I think Utah ends up uh, winning this series. Um, I would venture to say that. And uh, it's unfortunate because a lot of these series just come down to look, I mean, you have your best player out. It's the same thing with, um, with the Lakers with AD. I mean, without him, you're not. I mean, it was evident without the, the two and a half games that AD was in the lineup, they weren't the team that they were with him. And that's for obvious reasons. But the Suns were able to capitalize on that. Same thing with the Clippers and Jazz series here with Kawhi Leonard. It's uh, you take away their best defender and now you don't have as much uh pressure for donovan mitchell to go ahead and score i thought they played him uh pretty well and also he kind of had more of an off night um the other night in game five uh or yeah game five and um again i think that the jazz were able to come out here and steal both games um i don't think like paul george is going to have another one i mean he could uh it's probable but uh Again, at the same time, you're going to have to play great basketball. Like they had some great looks um, the other night without Paul, uh, Kawhi Leonard, uh, and obviously that's not taking anything away from Kawhi Leonard, but uh, Marcus Morris had a good game. Terrence Mann had a good game. Reggie Jackson's been great for them all, all, the, all of these playoffs as a free agent that joined them last season. Um, but you're going to have to have uh, a total team effort like that and that's what the Jazz are to begin with. I mean, they're they're a complete team. Uh, the depth is there. They shot well uh, in the first half from three. And then I think they made one three in the second half. Like, they, they were held to virtually nothing um, from beyond the arc. And, again, that's that's not really going to happen where you really – and it could be just because they had a lot in the first half kind of was inevitable that it was going to fall in the second half. But uh, the Jazz – they're a perimeter oriented team. Um, the way the Clippers are going to have to win this game is by sharing the ball, uh, and having more than just Paul George, um, in an effort to win this next game. Now they only need one. Utah needs two, but I think I believe more in Utah, um, with all the pieces and it's really coming together for them because unlike a lot of, a lot of teams are kind of working their way back. Now, hopefully nothing happens, but they're working their way back with Conley and Mitchell, um, and their and their injuries, so uh, yeah, I, I would take uh, Utah in seven.
0: You pick Clippers in seven, so you're switching. I pick Clippers in six. Um, I, I'm going to stick with that Clippers in six prediction. I, I think Paul George comes out again, and, and let's let's give this man some praise because the only time we hear about him is when he does bad. Uh, we don't. He, he's more good than bad, and I know even in the playoffs, he he has his lack of showing up over the past couple years. Um, man put up 37 and 16. Not many people can do that uh, as hard as they can try. Um, and I, I think he comes out tonight again. Uh, I think Staples for the Clippers are, in Clippers fashion will be rocking. It's not, you know, obviously not a Lakers crowd, but um, I, I think it'll, it'll be an exciting atmosphere. And I think they finally get it done and get to the conference finals for the first time in their franchise history. I think Paul George puts this team on his back. I don't know if they get past. And, and obviously, we'll talk about. Conference Finals when it uh, comes up uh, in the play, you know, in the next week or so. But I don't know if they can get past uh, the Suns, um, although they might. Chris Paul, we don't know when he's going to be at back, but um, I-, I think Paul George can really. Uh, he-, he said himself. He says, you know, he needs to go back to his Indiana days in order to uh, take this team to the next round, and and he did that last game. Um, I'm excited to just see see it again. I watched last game, and he was just phenomenal. Um, from the Jazz perspective, I mean, I, I just think um, that the Clippers are stretching them out. Uh, you have, when you know, when, when you're getting Rudy Gobert guarding mm-hmm. on the perimeter, uh, you're winning all day. Uh, you know, you win that battle. Uh, you know, they have those small lineups where they go with Morris, I think, at the five. Um, who else do they have in those Well, They line-ups?
1: also have Batum, Batum with Gobert. Batum,
0: there. yeah, B- Batum. Uh, last game, they started Batum, more senior Morris, Senior, Man, George, and Jackson. Uh, yeah. Morris put up 25. Uh, Jackson put up 22. George put up 37. Um, and then I, I think you're always going to need either Morris or Batum to put up you know, 15 to 20 a game now with Kawhi out. And then Jackson's going to need to put up 20 a game in order for you to keep going. Uh, I think you're going to need a little more from Rondo. Uh, he only had four rebounds to assist, I think, just offensively. And I I, I don't know why he's not getting more playing time, only nine minutes. Um, and then, obviously, Zubac playing time going down. But I understand that because you want to get Gobert out of the paint, which is working. Um, overall, I mean, I, I think that uh, a, a really terrific job by the Clippers. And, and I'm, I, I'll am i be honest, I'm rooting for them, not because I picked them. I'm rooting for them to uh, get this done and get this uh, um, burden off their back. Um, or off, whatever the saying is, off your chest, whatever, uh, to, to get to this conference finals. I think the Jazz have had a great season. I just think that uh, Paul George might end up being enough. But I will say this, if they lose this game six, it's over for them. I think the Jazz have a fantastic fan base. Um, they're basically having sellouts there now, uh, which is weird, obviously, because the past year we really haven't had fans. But now, obviously, all arenas are getting back to normal. Uh, and I think, Don, you know, you you put Donovan Mitchell and, and you know, he has that killer instinct. I think, you know, th- you let it go to game seven and I think the Jazz win this. But I, w- I will say Clippers, I think, uh, close it out. Uh, that's tonight. Go to the last series, which is over. Uh, really just talking about the Suns, as I mentioned earlier, Suns swept the Nuggets, which feels like a couple months ago. Um, but it was just last weekend. Uh, since then bombshell drop that Chris Paul tested positive for COVID-19 and they don't know how long he will be out for uh, which I mean this affects them majorly so two questions for you Jake one I know is a little controversial uh, among people uh, and then the second is just um, well the first is I know you can still get the virus with the vaccine um, but at this point it kind of begs the question you know why wouldn't they get the vaccine these players just that way they, for their peace of mind, you know, that way they don't need to go through these protocol stuff and, and get back sooner if having to quarantine at all. Second is how much does this affect the sons?
1: Well, I think there was a report that he was vaccinated. huh? I don't
0: know. I don't know.
1: Well, I think, I think that's what they were leaning more okay. towards
0: was the fact that he was yeah.
1: vaccinated. Um, I okay. don't know if that's official or not, but, um, but yeah, there was a report, uh, based off of that. Um, but, Yeah, um, I think that in terms of the league, I mean, you can't force someone to get a vaccine, but it it should be really highly recommended because now you're looking at a Suns team in which they were rolling. I mean, sure, the Lakers series went to six, but uh, let's be honest, uh, towards the tail end there, it wasn't really that close. Um, So it was more like it was more closer to like a gentleman's sweep than than anything, even though it went six. Uh, and then they just swept the Nuggets with the MVP on their team, uh, of course dealing with injuries, whatever, but at the same time they swept them. So uh, they were really rolling, and Chris Paul's a big part of that. Uh, third quarter, fourth quarter, really second half is where he makes his mark. Um, and just, I mean, dissecting the defense, uh, really uh, crucial to to – be able to uh, take those mid-range shots off the pick and roll, like, the guy was just unbelievable. And um, for him to get into a conference finals now and you're facing, because it's at least, what, two weeks? I mean, something like that. depends if you return those tests negative um, and go through all that that COVID stuff. But uh, we're looking at, I would assume he's at least missing a couple games uh, next series, maybe like two if I had to guess, but it could be longer. And what sucks is that the Suns have had this incredible run. You just made the playoffs for the first time in a decade. Uh, You went on this incredible run, and you have Chris Paul at the helm. And why that's important is that 2018 he had that injury in which that kind of – snowballed into, into really the, the Rockets losing that series, which I think they could have won that game seven and went to the finals and really won it all. Um, and that kind of screwed them up. Now Chris Paul's kind of going through like some bullshit. Like I'm going to be honest, it's BS. Um, because, you know, they've had, and, and this is something about just a league-wide perspective here and the fact that they've just been inconsistent all season. Like Ryan, I know you remember the KD thing where he was like allowed to, to, to play against the Raptors. Then they took him out, then decided, okay, you could play now, uh, just back and forth between deciding whether or not uh, because of the contact tracing, he was being able to play. It's just stuff like that where, uh, you know, Ben Simmons, Joel B couldn't even play uh, in the all-star game because of the COVID stuff uh, with the barber, uh, just a whole bunch of stuff that, really doesn't make too much sense, especially considering now we're in June uh, and I don't care. I'm not like trying to get political here in terms of the vaccine. That's not what we are um, for the most part. Um, But again, it's like we're in June at this point. So it's been a year. It's been what, approximately 14 months, however you want to add it up. And we're still dealing with this type of stuff. Um, the vaccine's out there, people. So, again, if you want to go get it, that's your choice. It's not up to me or Ryan to tell you to do so. But at the same time, it's like, at this point, this has to happen now. Like, there's so much on the line for Chris Paul's legacy. Well, um, to, I, I to, think... It's not that he's not a Hall of Famer, but it's, it's – the guy needs to get a ring.
0: Let, so. let, me stop, let me stop you real quick because I think you're making a good point, but for the wrong case uh, – he tested positive and he test positive. I don't care. Yes. Vaccine, not that's the leak rules that, you know, you have to sit out a certain amount of time. If he is vaccinated, then he should be able to come back quicker than those who are not. Um, just because he will you know, probably not as many symptoms and can get rid of it quicker, I believe. Um, but okay. Think,
1: but does, does testing positive really like matter at this point? I mean, again, in terms of the public yeah. perception, I guess,
0: but, yeah, no, I I think it does. I, I I'm still, I still think that that's just the way the league rules are. Um, I think that Chris Ball himself, he helped these rules, so I, there's nothing he can be upset about because he's president of the Players Association. Um, and I, I don't think he is upset. I think, you know, it's upsetting that this happened now. Um, and if he is vaccinated, then, you know, it shows that you still need to be careful even if you get vaccinated um, But otherwise, if he's not, then like you said, it's not, our you know, you can't force anyone to get it, but it just makes you think, hey, maybe I should have got it and we wouldn't be in this c- scenario. Um, but yeah, I, I think going to, you know, the basketball side of things real quick before we move on, because uh, I still want to get into some coaching stuff around the league and some trades, um, I think that. This will affect them heavily, but at the same time, if, if they end up do facing the Clippers, as I predicted, that the Clippers would win tonight in closing out in six, you have Chris Paul and you have Kawhi out. So really, it's an even playing field from there. Even, I would say, the Clippers, it's more of a loss because of, you know, um, Kawhi is their best player. You could arguably say Devin Booker is Phoenix's best player. Um, so it's kind of an even playing field. If they do play Utah, I think it it's um, a disadvantage. Um.
1: I would I would disagree with that. I think CP three's leadership
0: uh, yeah, is, I,
1: I think. Is, is greater than and it's it's had a, a big impact because even like even when he's not in the game, I mean and Monty Williams has has played him on the on the floor with the bench players. Um and you know, he was trying to work through that shoulder stuff, which again, he was looking really good, and now this has to happen. So of course, I mean that's it sucks. But um, yeah, his leadership, I mean, even when he's not on the floor, I mean, and and I guess that maybe points towards like him being out could still he could still have an impact in some way like off the court whatever but but still i mean you never want that to happen to a leader as great as chris paul so
0: yeah um we'll see what happens uh i'm guessing about the next time we have a podcast we'll have some sort of date if not he's already returned already next weekend let's move on now from playoff basketball to I don't remember the last time uh, off-season news, and we're not even off-season, has been this much during the playoffs. Um, We have now one, two, three, four, five, six, seven coaching vacancies. Uh, Boston, we talked about already Brad Stevens, and Brad Stevens already got busy. I keep alluding to it. We're going to get into it in a second with the trade he just made. You have Indiana, um, and I always, for the whole tenure, for the 10 months he was coach. Uh, Nate Bajorkin, uh, he was let go. It seemed like that was ne- ne- never worked out. Orlando Steve Clifford, uh, they kind of parted ways, um, after he was there for a few years. And I think he- he'll be someone who definitely gets a job. I think he's a he's a decent coach in this league and deserves another chance. Uh, Terry Stotts, who we've been talking about now for a couple months, out in Portland. Uh, I know we've talked, I-, I believe we talked about Dame on the last episode or a couple episodes ago and his, uh, kind of either, you know, do something for me now, Portland, or I'm out of here uh, type attitude. Uh, in Washington, Scott Brooks finally gets the boot. I've been calling for this one now for, it feels like years, but uh, at least the past year I've been saying his coaching, what he's done has been a disservice to Russ and Bradley Beal, and uh, I mentioned their rookie, Danny Avdia, wasn't using him the right way, stuff like that. Um, go to New Orleans, Stan Van Gundy. This one kind of was a, a little bit of more shocking to me, um, he literally just got hired in November right before the season, let go now. Now there's rumbling. Zion is not happy in New Orleans. We'll see what happens there. Uh, <laughs> what is he, two seasons in and he's yeah, already I think making his, noise?
1: Yeah, and uh, his whole family's making noise too, I yeah. think.
0: And then the one that probably shocked, the war, shocked everyone the most, and I want to start here in Dallas, um, Rick Carlisle just yesterday uh, giving in his resignation after 13 years, winning a championship. Obviously, since they won a championship in 2011, they have not advanced past the first round uh, in the six times they've made the playoffs. They also got rid of Donnie Nelson, who's their front office uh, guy. He was there for I don't even know how many years uh, firing him. Luca now it's coming out, is, is not the happiest there, and he doesn't even know if he'll sign his uh, max extension. Uh, I believe that's, he's available for that this summer. I'll ask you this: Where where does Dallas go from here? Um, it just came out literally right before we started recording. Dirk is not going to take an everyday role with the front with the team, but he will take an advising role and help them uh, hire a new president of basketball ops guy and a new head coach. Um, who are you looking at out there that you know should possibly uh, become the next head coach for Dallas? Or I can ask you this, uh, and you can kind of answer both in one because I have a feeling you'll what your answer will be. Out of all those jobs Boston, Indiana, Orlando, Portland, Washington, New Orleans and Dallas, who's the most attractive job, attractive job that you would want to take if you're a head coach?
1: Mm. OK, so out of all seven vacancies?
0: Yep. You have Boston, so you're going to have Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. Indiana has Demanus Bonus, uh, Miles Turner, uh, Karis Lavert and Orlando, you have that probably most likely a top three pick. Uh, possibly even number one overall pick, Portland, you have Dame and CJ, and depending on what happens there, Washington, you have Bradley Beal and Russ, New Orleans, you have Zion, and then Dallas, you have Luka. Okay.
1: Um, I'll answer that second. As far as this uh, Dallas situation goes, um, yeah, you got to be able to please look at Doncic. He's going into his... Uh, fourth year coming up and so with this extension for the 2018 class coming up um this summer and they're gonna I mean it's inevitable he's he's gonna get it um he's that type of talent uh, as far as who they're gonna replace Carlisle with and again it's it's the most shocking just because uh there was some reported tension between him and Luca uh so I guess some stuff was going behind the scenes. Uh, and he had been there for 13 years. So uh, I don't think it's as far as, like, you don't want to develop Luca, you don't want to be there um, because, uh, again, it's it's a generational talent that you're going to be able to coach. You already coached one in Dirk um, in the midst of his prime. uh, But, again, I I thought he was just retiring. I guess he's, like, going into just a – maybe he takes on more of a – Uh, I could see him getting a head coaching job, but uh, maybe he's, I think he's 61. So like maybe going for more of a uh, assistant job. I I don't, I don't know what ends up happening with him, but we'll see. Uh, We've seen some contending teams uh, get coaches that we thought should be head coaches. Uh, Example A, the Clippers, example B uh, being the Lakers, for example, but um, I think the Mavs end up going with Jamal Mosley because that's been that's what's been reported in terms of Luca's strongest relationship with a guy on the coaching staff, uh, and so he kind of knows what they're up to. Instead of, I'm of the proponent of just going with a, an assistant that knows the schemes, knows the offense, knows everything that they're really doing around Luca there, um, and so I think he ends up getting the job. Uh, just in terms of just the familiarity, you don't want to take risks when. Your star player knows what he wants, and he's on the trajectory of being a great player uh, and, again, has already breached the surface, and there's so much more left for Luca to accomplish in this league. Um, I think even more important news is that Donnie Nelson, their GM, departed as well, um, and so they're going to have to really find out uh, who they want to take over that that job because that's a very important job. You have Chris Stops, who... Uh, Hasn't really been the best there. Uh, has dealt with injuries, uh, dealt with playing a different type of role. Uh, And in that sense, you need to be able to find the right package for him because I don't think Dallas is the right fit for him. Uh, You need to restructure your team in terms of defense. Um, I think that they need to find a guy to to play next to Luca. You need to find a lot of critical decisions in order to please your star. Uh, And so I think the GM's even more of a bigger... Uh, need that the Mavs are going to have to address uh, more so than the coach, which of course is important too, but putting the right pieces uh, is an even more important job. As far as the question that you asked me, uh, I would say, um, let's see here. I mean, it's it's, kind of just a a question in which, I mean, putting myself in, in the shoes of coaches across the league, Maybe Boston, just because I'd like to coach uh, two emerging stars. I feel like that would just be a really, um, really fun uh, job to take just because you could really navigate both those guys. And Jalen Brown just had uh, a great season before he got hurt uh, on both sides of the ball. Uh, and so, he, I mean, he came in the league no, known for defense, and he's really improved his offense Uh even so, being next to a guy like Jason Tatum, which uh, you, know, you know that the ball is going to be in his hands, too. They just got rid of Kemba Walker, which we'll get into in a little bit, which was also taking up some usage when he was in the game. So, uh,
0: Going to, to Dallas real quick, and really I'll just make it all in one, because I, I think the most attractive job is Dallas. I mean, you have Luka, who I think uh, within the next couple of years will be the best player in the NBA, uh, no doubt about it. Uh, people need to remember, I think he's only 22 years old uh, with the th- stuff he's doing. Um, I think that going to Dallas, I think Rick Carlisle, uh, to touch that point, I think he will get another head coaching job. I think watch for Boston. I think that's a perfect fit there. Um, I-, I think that he goes to – He played t- there. He played there. I think even look out at Portland uh, if he goes out there. I think you know he won't take you know Orlando job or even an Indiana job, Washington job, just be – because, uh, you know, not because of his age. I just think he's of the mindset of he's ready to win, um, and not help rebuild. So I think he'll go to one of those content, you know, quote unquote, contending teams who need to coach. Um, and uh, as far as the Mavericks go, I, I think this is going to be this is a huge off season, probably one of the most their important off seasons in their franchise history. Um, what are you going to do with Chris Stops? Is he on the move, uh, or do they keep him and give him another shot? um Tim Hardaway Jr. free agent do they bring him back I think they need to uh how do you you need to get Luka that second star um I don't think Kristaps has proven that he can be that second star um and if you believe he's that second star you need to get a pretty good third star I guess uh you need to get someone else in there to help Luka um I think for them this is uh huge huge, huge. uh go- quickly going through some of those other uh Coaching vacancies, uh, Boston, uh, and and I guess we can touch on this now. Um, Boston did trade Kemba Walker just literally be right right before we uh, did this podcast. They traded Kemba Walker to OKC along with the number sixteen overall pick in this year's draft and a twenty twenty five second round pick for Al Horford, Moses Brown, and a two thousand twenty three second round pick. So OKC now has. Probably every pick in this year's draft I feel like um uh, just this not reporting again, I just believe Kemba Walker probably will not play a game in in a oakland homeless city uh uniform. I think this was just salary cap moving um he's owed seventy two million over the next three years. What are your thoughts on that trade
1: yeah, so as far as i, I kind of think the same as you do is in terms of the uh, the money and with uh, with Al Horford and and Kemba Walker, two guys that have uh, dealt with injuries. Uh, Al Horford didn't really play too much uh, this past season on OKC, and when he did, he was pretty decent. Um, I think people are forgetting that Al Horford um, was a key part to that Celtics team, and when he got moved on from that, they were questioning him and Embiid the fit there. Uh, then got moved to. Um, to uh, OKC and that Danny Green deal. Uh, and, you know, Sam, Sam Presty loves those big contracts that you could uh, have the ability to flip just to get more drop picks. Um, and he got a pretty good drop pick, number 16 overall in the class in which I'm hearing is pretty deep. I haven't really done too much research, um, but it's more of a cap move. But I would not be surprised. And here's where I think we differ wouldn't be surprised if he ends up playing um, with the Thunder, just maybe for a season, because I feel as if um, he's making thirty-seven mil, uh, and Boston saves money by doing this deal, so that's why it makes sense. Plus, uh, some front court help, I think it makes sense for them. After initially thinking that I think OKC won by landslide, I think it's more closer now that I'm thinking about it. Uh, but I do think he ends up playing because I, I think they give him a chance in. Um, and upping his trade value and then they flip him because right now he's 37 million i don't really see too many teams taking on that right now uh and i think he has a player option for two seasons from now if i'm not mistaken so you're gonna have to sit on that um and i see you know they did that with cp3 where they played him out a year you saw what they did i mean they clearly um overachieved with that team uh made the playoffs and then got bounced in the first round of houston but Uh, They did that with Horford as well here, uh, where they had him play, like, I I don't know how many games he played exactly, but he didn't play the whole season, but still, when he played, he got good minutes, whatever, moved on from him, so, uh, again, Sam Presti just keeps adding on the stock, or stockpiling the drop picks, and um, I I think he waits this one out, uh, ups the trade value of Walker, and then flips him.
0: Yeah, for for me, this is a this is a weird trade. One that it's almost like you could see Al Horford goes back to Boston, where uh, he's beloved and and had some good years for them. Um, and I I think in whatever role he plays, I think will you know help that Boston team. They need a lot more work. But I feel like Brad Stevens' first first trade, he kind of Sam Presti <laughs> fleeced him. Not only did he take Kemba Walker, who no matter if he lets him play a couple games and ups his trade value or trades him right now, he got a first-round pick with it. Um, it, Wow. Uh, Credit to Sam Presti. I think that a lot of teams are going to be calling the Celtics and seeing what trades they can do because I have a feeling Brad Stevens is just – he doesn't really know what's going on right now. Um, Yeah.
1: yeah. (laughs) Let me ask you a quick question. Do you think um, – I mean, did Boston even have to move off of Walker? No, Give, th- given their given their struggles this past season, and like, I mean, again, he, it's not like he's a he's a toxic uh, locker room guy. I mean, not no, like I, Kyrie was rumored for, to be.
0: Yeah, no, I, I think that um, I, I think that just his production for his the, what they were paying him. I think uh, Boston, it's been kind of now floating around now, and nothing rumored. Just what fit wise, I think Juanzo Ball. If they can go out and sign him, uh, obviously he's a restricted free agent. If they need they need another point card there. Um, and they need depth back. Something that we've talked we talked about last episode, uh, the depth they used to have back a couple uh, years ago. And you know I mentioned it: Gordon Hayward, Kyrie, Marcus Smart. I'm not Mark. Yeah, Marcus Smart, Marcus Morris. Uh, who else? Uh, Gordon Hayward, uh, Al Horford. I mean, they just had tons. Terry Rozier. They had all these guys. I mean, they had eight, nine, ten deep that you could trust that are now starting on different teams. Um, I think they need to get back to that um, and finally move off their assets. Uh, Maybe they, I think they held on to their assets a little too long that now they're depreciating and they're not as high as they once were. I think other teams around the league hopefully learn from that. Um, because I think sometimes you just, you know, it seems like every time they were close to training for this player, but they never pulled the trigger, and I don't understand why. I think Jalen Brown's someone who I wouldn't be surprised if he's on the move um, just because, I think, shake things up. Um, and I think, you know, also who do they hire as their head coach? I think Rick Carlisle, like we just mentioned, I think that's, it feels like the perfect fit. Um, it'll be interesting. I know Brad Stevens, you know, I think his voice got stagnant in that locker room. Um, but this trade, I think that the, the Thunder one, and I wouldn't be surprised if somehow Sam Presti pulls it off and gets a, another pick for Kemba Walker, uh, and even a first-round pick. I, I somehow, somebody—I I don't know how he would do it, but I wouldn't put it past him.
1: They're talking about uh, a potential Lakers move here.
0: I don't know so. how, how the cap there would work, Um I think that, you know, I guess he would go on and be like Schroeder or Rondo. Um, mm. I think it would be good for Kemba because he wouldn't have to do as much. Although, on the Celtics, I mean, it's kind of, he was like the third option.
1: So, would it be um, a, a sign and trade maybe with Schroeder or something like that? I don't know. Yeah,
0: I, I don't know. I mean, Schroeder was just with the Thunder. I, I think the Thunder just keep wanting young players. I mean, sooner or later, they're going to need a. the Thunder are going to need to take all those picks and they're probably going to trade for a star. But um, yeah, I, I don't know. It, it should be definitely something to watch um let's uh what else is there i think we basically covered everything uh talked about scott brooks stan van gundy um i think like i said scott brooks i i don't know i think he'll end up becoming an assistant coach and hope maybe he can revive his coaching career uh stan van gundy i think it was just um and and here's one more thing i think as we talked about Giannis, and i just wanted to make this point uh I think we talked about Giannis and how well he gets along with coaches. Um, I think some of these players, uh, Stan Van Gundy's been to cha- a championship, not won a championship, but been to the finals back when he was with Miami in Eastern Conference Finals. Um, who else is there that has been? But there's been a couple other people butting heads with uh, you know, championship-proven coaches. Uh, some of these stars need to start you know listening to their coaches um, because I think Stan Van Gundy is a pretty good coach. I think it got away from him and New Orleans defensively, I think, you know, when he's known for his defense and their defense wasn't as good as they should have been. Uh, so I think that's what really led to that. I think Brandon Ingram his, you know, he didn't see eye to eye with him, but I think that, you know, some of these stars need to start really, uh, looking, you know, and respecting their coaches a little more. Um, and you know, not to the level of Giannis, but almost, you know, take half of Giannis and half of a player who doesn't respect his coach and you have the perfect player. I don't know if you'll ever get there, but, um, Besides that, though, pretty yeah, much I, good.
1: Yeah, real quick, um, because I believe since we last uh, were talking on the show here, uh, there were some awards that were announced. Yeah, go so for it. To, you
0: can announce, yeah.
1: Just to briefly touch on it, um, I'm not positive if maybe we were in the midst of doing a pod when some of the awards were announced in terms of the uh, MVP, Coach of the Year, stuff like that. Uh, And so I'll just go through real quick the awards, announce them. Uh, Jokic, won MVP, uh, Lamelo rookie of the year. Tom Thibodeau, while Monty Williams was a favorite, ended up winning coach of the year, uh, leading that Knicks team, uh, despite years of uh, disappointment. Uh, Jordan Clarkson, sixth man of the year. Uh, Did they announce most uh, most improved player? Julius Randle, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then, what am I missing here? I think I'm missing. Uh, uh, did I miss anything? I don't know if I did. I'm not I really looking at the list. Believe, I, was just...
0: I, I, I don't believe so. I know All NBA was announced. Um, that was, and you know, I'll pull that up real quick. Um,
1: yeah, I, I got it. I got it. All NBA was. Um, And all NBA first team, Steph Curry, Luka Doncic as the two guards, headline the first team. Uh Giannis, Kawhi, and Jokic as the three um, the two forwards in the center there. Uh, all NBA second, Damian Lillard, Chris Paul, LeBron, Julius Randle, Joel Embiid, all NBA third team. Uh, Kyrie Irving, Bradley Beal, Paul George, Jimmy Butler, and Rudy Gobert. Uh, they also announced the uh all defensive teams uh, a couple nights ago. I think this was consecutive nights on Inside the NBA. Um, first team, Ben Simmons, Rudy Gobert, Draymond Green, Drew Holiday, Giannis, and Nakumbo. I don't think there's too many surprises there. Um, second team, Bam, Jimmy, Embiid, Thibel, and Kawhi Leonard. So that was the all defensive teams. And then yesterday they announced uh, the all rookie teams. Uh, and let me pull that up real quick here. So for the all rookie teams, we have um, Lamelo Ball uh, for all rookie first team, along with Anthony Edwards, Tyrese Halliburton, Sadiq Bay, and JeeSean Tate. I think that's the um, the first team there. And then the All-Rookie second team, Emmanuel Quickly, Desmond Bain, Isaiah Stewart, Isaac Okoro, and Patrick Williams uh, from the Knowles. Uh, the so go Noles.
0: Yes, sir. Uh, where can they find us on social media, Jake? Uh, a lot in this episode, and I think we had pretty good timing. Uh, hopefully that way we don't keep you guys too long and you guys can enjoy the podcast. Um, where can they find us on social media? And we'll see you guys next week.
1: Yeah, so... In terms of uh, finding us on social media uh, to keep up with all the episodes, uh, at underscore around the league on Instagram, uh, TikTok at ATL po- podcast. Uh, Ryan mentioned their Twitter, uh, our Twitter real quick, just so we, uh, at, we can get some more follows on there.
0: At underscore ATL podcast underscore.
1: All right. So similar to it's kind of just combining both our TikTok and instagram handles there but if you guys want to check us out on those uh platforms make sure to go give us a follow uh let us know what you guys think of the pods but um yeah we're gonna try to get back on the on the schedule ryan and i are really uh figuring out uh not a place because we're we're doing this over the phone and uh in separate households here but in terms of a time uh and day we are uh really uh looking forward to coming up with a time for that. I know we're uh, time and day because we're really looking forward to getting on a routine schedule for you guys.
0: Yeah, that's for sure, like Jake said. uh, We'll be back next week, conference finals by then. Uh, That should be exciting. I know we didn't do any conference finals predictions because nothing is uh, set except for the Suns, so we'll post those on our Instagram page, like Jake said, or like Jake mentioned, our Instagram page. Go check that out. Uh, We'll post those there, and uh, that'll do it. Peace out guys.